The 2023 Australian Grand Prix proved to be quite the roller coaster ride, not just for us watching, but for the teams and drivers too. Red flag central, restart confusion, and utter carnage meant just 12 cars finished the race, which is not something you see too often in modern day Formula One. Welcome to the WTF1 Race Review Podcast. We'll be taking a look at the main WTF moments, the big topics that got you talking throughout the weekend and nominating our very own podium finishers. And to do that with myself, Harry Benjamin, is presenter Nicola Hume and racing driver Callan O'Keefe. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, getting up early where we all are to watch the race. I think the majority of people are getting up early for this uh, Aussie Grand Prix. And I think you have to start, really, with the second red flag restart. The most amount of red flags I think we've ever seen at the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, Nicola, if I come to you first, um, what do you, you make of it? Right, well, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's start with the end, shall we? <laughs> it was just absolute chaos. We were so close to finishing because it was what lap 56 57 mm. that all of a sudden red flag yet again and then you don't know what's happened because the first red flag was I don't know for gravel it was just something ridiculous the second red flag I thought was a correct red flag but then you kind of go well then what's going to happen now because we've got to that point haven't we where we've seen you know very late red flags in races in the past and you don't know where it's going to end up going so yeah it was carnage but very entertaining at the same time. I wish that I could eat popcorn at six o'clock in the morning. That's where I was at. No one's stopping you, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> That's only you. But I mean, um, Callan, I mean, what? So Sainz hit Alonso. The two Alpines took each other out. Perez went out wide. De Vries got a punt from Sargent. Stroll then ended up going straight on at turn three. Did everyone just switch off? I, it looked like everything was sort of said and done, didn't it? And then all out of nowhere... There's just complete and utter carnage. And I think, you know, from a, a driving perspective, obviously, you've run the vast majority of the race. There's there's two laps to go. It's You've kind of settled into that rhythm of, well, here we are, especially, you know, in Formula One, when the result's kind of shaken out the way that it has, it's, you settle into that rhythm. But then you add a combination of another restart, the opportunity again for the drivers. It's a complete blank canvas with these these red flag restarts now. So it's um it's great from a driving perspective and from a fan perspective but obviously there was a lot of talking point as well about the low sun maybe potentially causing some of the problems for the drivers i know that pierre obviously when you look at the onboard when he was coming back across on esteban it didn't really look like he saw him at all but um yeah when it all looked said and done all of a sudden complete carnage again and then a bit of controversy which is uh not great for the teams and for their their um their budgets but great for us as the fans yeah i kind of loved it to be honest but (laughs) (laughs) just I just can't get into my head, though, how that all is allowed to happen almost. I mean, do you agree? Do you think that it's right that we have that kind of red flag restart from a standing start so late on in the race? You know, I think like from a driving perspective, the the drivers now are, are like sort of like robots. If you like, maybe not for those 15 seconds, but, um, you know, they're so well versed in procedure. These are the best racing drivers in the entire world. They're, they're at the pinnacle of the sport. So, they should be able to handle anything that's thrown at them. And and I really like the opportunity of of being able to create that that chaos, if you like, or for a driver that's that's done something a bit different, they can they get another go at it, don't they? So I think, you know, the problem with the safety car restart is very, very difficult to follow in modern day race cars, whether it's from Formula Four all the way up to Formula One. AeroWash makes it very, very difficult. And what these these full restarts do is they they create that opportunity for 
a driver who's still got the mental capacity, still got the physical capacity, and and actually as well over the course of a race adapted. We saw Max have two not so great starts, um, and then obviously the third one was was a bit better. So it it kind of rewards the driver for thinking on their feet, it rewards the teams as well for working and um, developing themselves over the course of a race because there's no area that you can leave untouched now because of any possible eventuality. Mm. I suppose what it did do, though, Nicola, was it gave us some great results in the back end of the top 10. I mean, double McLaren points, Hulkenberg <sighs> up in seventh, Joe Sonoda finally getting that point that he's been so desperate for. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I have... Oh, I've, always deep down in my soul rooting for McLaren and McLaren have had the worst start to the season and especially Piastri being at his first home race this was such a big moment for him and the fact that they both managed to get points largely because of yeah their major rivals Alpine absolutely fluffed the whole thing up but yeah a huge moment for everyone lower down so it actually means as the season's going to go on those challenges for gaining the points in the Constructors' Championship. It's going to get quite interesting, I think, if they can gain some points that way. Well, I suppose beforehand, I said this on the last podcast, it looked like it was always just going to be a battle for that final point scoring position amongst the rest of the teams. You know, if they all finished where you would expect them two by two by two, really, it was just that 10th spot that looked like it was going to be divvied up between your Alpha Towers, your Alpha Omaze, your Hasses. But when you get a race like this absolute carnage anything's up for grabs Callan who were you cheering for a minute ago and I was reeling off the results I I'm happy to see Yuki get some points you know that that's that's what we're all looking for he's such a likable character isn't he and he's yeah. just he's one of the more genuine drivers on the grid and it's it's nice to see different drivers benefiting obviously again Piastri as well um he's he's oh, he's been thrown in the deep end that looks like it's it's not going too well there it looks massively hard work to drive that car so a little, you know, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel is nice for the uh, the underdogs who are struggling a little bit more. And hopefully that makes for an exciting storyline later on in the year as, as those, you know, one or two points here and there become more crucial. Yeah, well, uh, we should also add that, I mean, we're recording this pretty much straight after the race. Signs got that five second penalty for uh, biffing around Alonso. That put him out of the points. I uh, believe Ferrari are appealing that. I was uh, wondering if they were. I reckon, yeah, it's, I think, it's a well, no brainer for them to appeal. It certainly sounded like, I mean, Carl, you heard Carlos Sainz on the radio, right? He was, I've never heard him quite like that before. He was so uh, almost quite desperate, Callan, like pleading for, for, for them not to give him this penalty. Well, it, it was strange in a sense, wasn't it? Because they kind of decided that that half a lap or whatever it was, those, those three, four corners didn't happen. But then they still penalised Sainz in the aftermath for it happening because we obviously went back to a, a, the original order for the, the final restart of the race. So it's almost odd in a sense they didn't keep the order as it was, but still penalised Carlos Sainz. And, you know, he had, he had driven a great race. Some of his overtakes were exceptional. The uh, the switch back into turn three was an absolute work of art from him. And, you know, he was on it all race. His race pace was very, very strong. So to be penalised like that, I do feel really, really sorry for Carlos. I think he, he deserved a little bit more. But um, obviously, again, he was, you know, I, I think he was more to more at fault for the crash than Alonso. It depends where you stand on whether or not that lap really counted, doesn't it? But that's, Obviously, that's it counted the for the ones that got taken out, yeah. That's the hiccup there, is it's, you know, it worked in Alonso's favour at the restart, but not in Sainz's favour, and it was all a bit a bit awkward there, I think. I think based on the fact that Fernando didn't actually lose anything, it is quite a harsh penalty. If Fernando had, you know, been taken out of the race, he'd have a great race, um, 
it would have been a fair penalty. But the fact that Fernando didn't actually lose anything, I think the penalty is a bit harsh. But again, there was so much going on that last 15, 20 minutes. You know, what? that's just one of the storylines, isn't it? There's so much to look at. And we should also say Hulkenberg, although I haven't seen anything about this, he didn't actually make it back after the sort of showcase ending he had to pull up pull onto the side and normally if you don't make it back on your own steam you might be in trouble for that one but no one said anything about that yet so fingers crossed Hulkenberg keeps that uh result because that's a fantastic result for him uh seventh place with Haas uh Piastri Joe Zenoda rounding out the top 10 and of course I mean I assume you've all seen the race. Verstappen won it ahead of Hamilton and Alonso. So that was the top three, just in case you missed it. Shocking horror. (laughs) Shocking. How did he do that? (laughs) Well, you know what? But for the first time, it it didn't seem like it was a complete and utter walkover. You know, Callan, you mentioned those starts. You had Perez coming from the back after that bit of a disaster qualifying. And Hamilton and Mercedes and Russell. Let's not not forget about George Russell. You know, he led the race. I was going to say, can we have a round of applause, please, for George Russell getting his Absolutely. elbows out before he turned himself into the world's most expensive candle? You know, <laughs> <laughs> he had an absolute shocker to end the race. But that first lap and then the gap that he pulled, you know, it's not easy. Melbourne's a very, very difficult track. We saw a lot of drivers across all the categories that were racing, making mistakes. And what a start and what a first lap. And, you know, he got the better of, of not only Max, but also Lewis there. So hopefully this is a, a sign of things to come for the rest of the season where we see a bit more elbows out racing and um, finally someone taking the challenge to Max and the Red Bulls. I mean, yes. OK, it was it was exciting and, and George Russell was on fire and then he was literally on fire. But I, I don't think we can say it was that much of a closer race. I mean, Max was at the front by 10 seconds and and... And don't forget, he had a little bit of time on the grass there. So he actually had more time to spare. So I don't think it's getting that much close, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm just trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of optimism. But look, round three, you know, no one's bringing any major upgrades just yet. Next time out in Baku, we're thinking that's when we're going to see some, some big upgrades from a lot of the teams. So who knows? Could be all to play for. Stick with it. Stick with Formula One in 2023. I mean, Australia, that was one of the better Australian Grand Prix we've had in a long old time, I think it's fair to say. I mean, let, let's cling to the fact as well that in recent years, the driver that's won the opening race hasn't necessarily gone on to win the championship. Let's let's really get, you know, the conspiracy out there that this is why Formula One is worth watching because obviously Max did win it. Hopefully, we're just going to see a complete resurgence when they go back to Europe. You know, lots of different teams, lots of different upgrades and um, lots of different challenges at the front. That's what I'm hoping for. You put it out there, hopefully it comes back. I'm putting my money down now that it's Max's all the way. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to put, here's my £10, putting it on the table there. Done. (laughs) Go on, go on, go on, Harry. You got this, you got this. Back me up, back me up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, Leclerc has been... No, actually, he's... No, definitely not. Um, I I mean, I want to talk about Leclerc because he did pop into my mind there. This time last year, he was leading the championship, if my memory serves me correct. And now he's gone uh, two out of the first three races without scoring any points, two retirements. That's his worst start to an F1 season since his rookie year with Sauber, but at least he finished all three races in that Sauber. And I think to add to that, Sainz looks actually the stronger driver all weekend long, and it's not too often we say that. And Sainz was, in the early days, loving that turn three breaking zone, overtakes left, right and centre, got a bit undone by the red flag and and the strategies going after that. And then, of course, the Alonso uh, uh, penalty. But... 
what's happened to Leclerc this weekend? All for nothing. It it almost looks a little bit like there's just been that slow, gradual unraveling, hasn't there? It just I think when you, you kind of get yourself into that Ferrari seat, you build yourself up to the point where you should be fighting for a world championship. You feel like maybe you have the facility to fight last year. And then as the year went on, it just went from, from bad to worse, didn't it? And it, it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight for him, really, does it? It just seems like every time there's any sort of opportunity, something goes wrong. Uh, be it strategy, be it driver error, be it mechanical. It's just really not going his way. And as a driver, when you continually feel like it's compounding and getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then obviously, you know, you've got the speculation of, of F1 media consistently reminding you how badly it's going. I think it's very easy to find yourself in a bit of a hole. So maybe that's where Charles is now. Uh, hopefully he manages to pull himself out of it. But yeah, he's in a he's in a very tricky situation, isn't he? Yeah, it certainly feels like he's got himself in a bit of a rut. I mean, you look at Ferrari last year and they thought they kind of solved it by saying farewell to Mattia Bonotto and then Fred comes in this year and they all think that it's going to be awesome and then they're still struggling to find their feet. I mean, we're race three and he couldn't even get round the, the first lap. I mean, I know it was just a case of, well, it pretty much was a case of luck and just kind of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, I think. But he needs he needs just a good finish on a race, a good finish, and then it will build up his confidence and then hopefully he can pick himself back up again. But he does seem to be in a rut, doesn't he? Yeah, it's 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 also that thing as well of like when you're you're obviously always compared to your teammate first and foremost. The more momentum Carlos is gaining, you know, Carlos again until that moment with Alonso was having a great race, as you said, overtakes left, right, and centre, great race pace. All these things compound, and there's always a sway within the team of who the number one is. And I think Charles needs needs to sort himself out as as quickly as he possibly can to avoid losing that potential number one slot to Carlos. Wow. Well, who'd have thought that? I think Leclerc way down in the standings as well at the moment. So work to do for the Ferrari driver and uh, the team, I think, as well. Um, Alex Albon, I'd like to have a little chat about. What a weekend from the highs of qualifying. He got up to sixth at the start of the race and then he let it all go away. I mean, Callum, for those who don't know, you've raced against some of these guys in the field in, in junior formula. You yourself were part of the Red Bull junior team as well. There's a brilliant photo, which I'm sure will come on at one stage, where, where it's the whole junior team and Callum Thorne actually sat in the cockpit. But, oh, what a what a disaster. That's going to stick with Albon for that whole plane ride home. Again, you talk about doing all of the hard work. He's got himself in the position. And then, especially once you've gotten through the carnage of the start, you just have to settle into a rhythm and... Uh, I think he made a mistake at the corner before I, I heard them saying on the commentary. And then, you know, it, Albert Parker is a place that bites. If you make a mistake, the walls are close. They keep getting closer every year. And yeah, unfortunately, very, very dusty. All the corners are medium and high speed, all very cambered as well. So as soon as you find yourself off the line, it's a big shunt. And yeah, Alex was doing a great job today until he found himself just the wrong side of that limit. It's a very expensive crash as well. He obviously did both sides of the car. Um, and yeah, you know, a, a shout out to, uh, to to Hulkenberg for avoiding him. I don't know if everyone managed to see the in-car footage of that. He missed the the gravel show by like nanometers. He was so close to collecting and adding to the damage bill further. But yeah, again, you know, long plane ride home. When you're in those positions, especially with a team like Williams, where you really need it, you're dominating your teammate. To make a costly error like that is, is super, super costly. So it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back at the next race. Nick, do you think the red flag that was subsequently called after Albon was the right thing to do? Because at first I thought it was for the barrier, but it sounds like it was actually just for the bloody gravel. 
Well, that's what they're reporting, aren't they? Because at first I was like, oh, maybe it must be the barrier. But no, they're saying it is It is for the gravel, which surely they could have just done a safety car, slow everyone down and just get a broom get, out. Get the brooms they didn't out. have to stop everything. Do, do they not have brooms in Australia? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all being used elsewhere to get rid of you know the sand down under. I don't, I've never been to Australia. I just know it's all upside down. So maybe the brooms are the other way, and it's very difficult to sweep away the gravel. They're just hitting it with sticks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> using the wrong end. Oh. Well, it meant the red flag uh, came out. Yeah, yeah. You just think a safety car would be so easy. Like they do that stuff at like um, Zandvoort, isn't it? That's where the gravel always gets on to to the track. And it's a nightmare. So that felt like it was a bit of an overstretch, but I think it's it's the FIA and the stewards just being, you know, super to the letter almost. I mean, we go back to to that second red flag restart and then waiting so long to get the final, final restart underway. You know, they were sat there for, what, like 20 minutes? It felt like an hour before they then just all piled out to do a showcase run at the end when really you think you, you, you could have just called it there? I mean, technically it was three red flags right because even after the race finished it was Hulkenberg's third red flag <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think they want to count that last one uh well it was I mean it was still one of the more entertaining uh Australian Grand Prix the DRS zones four of them especially the the one coming into the first turn and uh, into the turn nine and ten complex Callan looking super powerful too powerful or just right well, I'm not 100% sure because obviously when Verstappen breezed past Hamilton, I was like, well, this is going to be a boring race. All the mm. passes are going to be artificial. He, you know, he had enough space to, you know, do a small weave, look behind and wave before he went, you know, and got the move finally done. So I, I thought initially it looked too powerful, but I think there's actually just a big variation in straight line speed. Obviously, all the teams have, have been fighting with a new generation and it's old news now. I'm, I'm not going to use the P word because we're all over that but obviously ride height is, is is a massive contributor in straight line speed as well as aerodynamic balance so i think the teams that have really gotten a handle on it they're showing a bigger variation and that's you know one of the areas where red bull's making the biggest difference their, their straight line speed is ridiculous we also saw it with perez when he was carving through the field as well so i think to get the drs zones right this year is far more challenging because there's a much bigger spread so it really depends who you're racing against and um for the majority i thought it looked it looked okay um Unless you were up against the Red Bull, in which case you might as well just uh, pulled over to the left-hand side and, and waved them through to save yourself the hassle. <laughs> I, th- I thought that as you're approaching, yeah, turn nine and then that re- just that really nice long curve round to the left. As I mean, obviously, I'm not a racing driver, but as a viewer... I thought it looked stunning. And then you've got those drone shots that were kind of going over the top. And that's the point where you can see the full speed of the cars. And I just found that so exciting to watch. That little moment of the DRS and just watching people take over at that point, seeing Max's overtake, seeing Lando overtake Hulkenberg at that point as well. It was so exciting to watch that bit. It was so good, wasn't it? And uh well, Albert Park really uh, stepping up to the plate, I think, uh, for, for this weekend. Let's talk about some of the bigger uh, points from outside of the weekend. Uh, we had a familiar Aussie back in the paddock, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, now Red Bull's uh, reserve and third driver and ambassador. He said this time, well, he said last year that around the Australian Grand Prix in 2023, that would sum up his mind as to whether he wanted to come back to Formula One or not. And it seems like it, he might well want to, but I suppose, Callan, can he? 
Bring that beautiful Australian man back to the grid. That's what I'm saying. We need Danny Rick on the grid. I was great, you know, obviously when the, the camera showed him and he got a huge cheer, you could hear it on the TV. I I really, really think he's one of the most talented drivers on the grid. Again, it's very F1's a minefield to, to negotiate going to the right place at the right time, having all the cogs. You know, when you, when a team brings an upgrade, if you don't get that upgrade and you lose it, we're talking about tenths of a second here. And I think when he went to McLaren, it was always going to be very, very difficult with McLaren, obviously, you know, Zach Brown having a great relationship with Lando Norris and bringing him through. You're kind of going, you're, you're behind enemy lines there, really, in a, in a sense. And it, the move didn't work out for him, but there's no doubting Danny Rick's, you know, credentials, his ability, and and obviously his, his likability and his goodness for the sport as well. So I don't know how he's going to get back, but I'd love to see him back. And I think hopefully, you know, the vast majority of people would share that opinion as well. But how do we do it? That's the real question. How do we get him back on the grid between the three of us? I mean, my love for Daniel Ricciardo knows no bounds. He is my favourite driver. I love him. I love his smile. I love everything about him, his personality, just all of this, and obviously the way he drives. But I just think he's just fantastic. And while he was at McLaren, it was like he kind of lost his mojo and he was really, really struggling. So even just as a third driver, as a reserve driver at Red Bull, I feel like being at a top team like that, it's really going to like give him a little kick up the bum, if you will, to kind of get that mojo back and ready to kind of get back on the grid and fight. So then maybe next season, who knows where he's going to end up. But the fact that he's gone back to Red Bull as that driver number three to kind of be around the hype of it and be around the celebration of it and everyone's just there loving him, I think it's really going to help him out. And, and fatigue plays a part of it as well. You know, he's, he's been in Formula One since, well, as long as I can remember when he debuted with HRT. 20, yeah, 20, 13, 11, 11 oh, even. Oh, yeah, no, it, no, was, no. it was. I'm going to say 12 to be in the middle of your 12, point. yeah. <laughs> it was, it I was, remember, it was Silverstone. That was it. I think yeah. it was Silverstone. Oh, it was either 20, it was 2011, because 2012, it was Toro Rosso. 2011. Yeah, and, and it go. was, it, yeah, he's, he's been around. And then you add that to the years in junior racing, you know, mm. with, with the expansion of the calendar and, and everything, it's, it's tiring to be a Formula One driver, especially when it's not going right. So to have that year away, He's revitalized. You can see on his socials, he's having fun. He's enjoying himself. He could have very easily taken a step aside to go do something else, an IndyCar or, or WEC, but instead he's chosen to stay. And that hopefully is, is a good intention that he's, he's working on something and get himself back on the grid. And uh, we get the revitalized Danny of old back on. I found it really interesting, though, that Christian Horner was saying, you know, after a bit of simulator work for Ricardo at Red Bull, that he could tell that he was just, he drove differently. He was, he didn't recognize his driving style from when he was there at Red Bull. So what's happened to Ricardo? Is it just, he's had to drive around uh, difficult cars. I mean, he, since Red Bull, he's obviously had Renault and then McLaren. So, you know, quite different teams, different setups, different cars, but can that really affect your driving style so much that it's unrecognizable to the team you, you, you spent so much time with? Yeah, I mean, you know, drivers are consistently trying to find that little edge because it, it is a sport of, of marginal gains. It's a sport of the tiny details. You know, if we can use half a car's width more track on entry, that equates to 500s with over the course of, of 10 corners is is a sizable amount that can make a difference. So he's obviously gone away. He was he was very strong when he left. He was at the top of his game. You know, he'd beaten Sebastian Vettel when it was, he was full of confidence. And then I think as you start to, to fall into that lull, it's, it's very, very easy to lose your, your style. If you like, every driver on the grid 
has a slightly different style. That's why you see some drivers getting in cars and it works and other drivers, it doesn't work. Whether a driver's the last of the late breakers, whether they like to roll a bit more entry speed, whether they like to get on the throttle a little bit sooner, everyone has their own little thing that makes their their driving style unique and special that, that makes them good enough to get to Formula One. And if he's gone searching because potentially his style didn't suit the car that he was driving, it's almost like a goal for a, a, a you know a tennis player just slightly tweaking the way that they hit the ball, changing their swing, and all of a sudden losing everything that feels natural to them because when what they were doing natural does, didn't really work. So it is definitely possible. I've seen it across, you know, not just Formula One drivers, drivers who who are as young as, you know, 15 who we work with. They get into a good rhythm and then all of a sudden starts going wrong and they start looking for the the magic fix. So I'm not surprised to hear that. But, you know, the, the sim is a great tool. The F1 simulators now are, are basically as good as real life. The amount of money and time and effort that have been spent on them you know, so hopefully he can use this time productively and, and come back and, and refine his way again. Because when he was at his peak, he was an exceptional driver to watch. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Do you want Ricardo back? Where do you see him coming back? Let us know. Uh, WTF1 and all the socials. Let us know in uh, the podcast comments as well. Another big talking point across the weekend uh, from F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali um, says he would kind of like to uh, scrap practice sessions or at least some of them although but he knows that uh, fans wouldn't be too happy about that but I mean Nick what do you reckon we've seen changing of formats uh, being introduced where you know we've had different qualifyings over the years of course the sprint being introduced as well back in the day you know people just used to watch qualifying in the race they didn't even get practice on the coverage but now become so accustomed to it that it would be very odd suddenly to not have any practice yeah, don't take away my three days of fun, please. <laughs> I don't want it to go down to two days. I enjoy my full three-day weekends of, of enjoying. I know it's. I know it is just practice, but I love every second of it. The moment they go out there on that circuit for that weekend, you start analysing each driver. Oh, how are they taking that corner? How do you think they're going to handle this sort of moment, etc.? It, it definitely adds to the drama and the entertainment, I think, of the whole entire weekend. I think if you take that away, it's just going to be a bit pants. Humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Callum, George thinks that they have too many practice sessions and the likes of Formula 2, Formula 3 have far too few. I mean, I've, done, I've just done F3 over the weekend. They get one 45-minute practice session and that is it. And... I mean, they came to Melbourne along with F2 for the first time ever. None of those drivers know this track at all. And you can tell because even after practice, mistakes were still so prevalent. So should they be taking a couple away from F1 and giving them to the support series? So it, it's twofold, really, because the problem is the track time is used by the teams to correlate the upgrades and everything like that. So if you took away track time, effectively, you'd be reducing the team's capability to catch up to the teams that are doing well, because, you know, we've got aero you've got the wind tunnels you've got shaker rigs you've got all these these amazing tools at the factory that they use to develop race cars but there's nothing like getting a car on the track in real life to understand if the performance upgrades you're bringing correlate to the success that they have in the, the theoretical world of engineering so from that side i wouldn't want to see that because obviously we've got a we've got one team that's that's massively out in front and reducing that track time would would be a detriment to being able to catch them to create entertaining racing. But from a driving perspective, as you said, you know, I, I work with a few drivers coaching in, in F3 and I absolutely love the challenge of going out first, the first thing in the morning, the track's completely green. You then have five hours and you go straight into qualifying. It's such a unique challenge for the drivers because the tracks are complete the tracks are living thing. It changes all the time. And by the time you've had F1 practice, F2 have been out, other support categories, depending on the weekend, the track's completely different. 
And especially now the tires that we have, the drivers have such a short window to perform that if we reduce the amount of time they have, I think we're going to see the better drivers rising through and it's going to make it more of a challenge. So from a driving point of view, 100%, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see drivers put under pressure, less time to work things out, you know, and, and having to make the difference themselves. But from a team's point of view, we'd have to try and find a way around that to make sure that we don't lose the development race and, and lose the capability of teams catching up as the season goes on. I think especially when you when you talk about the teams, like, for example, what Otmar Zafnauer was saying about the cost cap, that it's still not technically working in the lower team's favour, where the previous high up teams or the, the, the richer teams, if you will, had the money back then to create amazing wind tunnels and everything back at their factories to make sure that everything's all cool. Whereas now there's the budget cap. They don't have the same amount of money to be able to build and design these better wind tunnels for the lower down teams or that were the lower down teams. So when it comes to the practice sessions, those are the moments that teams like Alpine and Williams will get that time to see how their car runs, basically. And it's yeah. all theory as well. There's there's so many smart people in Formula One, but how many times have we heard it where everyone's excited about this amazing upgrade kit that's meant to come and they end up going slower? And you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> It's hundreds of thousands of pounds down the toilet when it, it doesn't correlate the way that it should. So, yeah, hopefully the uh, the very smart people at the FIA can come up with a compromise that means uh, more of a challenge for the drivers, but allows the teams to keep developing. Yeah, well, it's all still to shake out, isn't it, really, with all this, uh, the new regulations of the cost cap. And, and, you know, they said it would be two years before things start to sort of get an idea of what they wanted to do so I think we've still got to, to let it play out in a way and that goes uh too for the format you know we've got more sprint races this year so we'll see how those uh do um uh, were you Callum I assume you were up watching the f3 in the middle of the night were you uh I was not because I couldn't get access to internet I know I know oh. I, and I, I apologize to the driver who I'm working with if you're listening to this um he had a <laughs> He didn't I have really, a great weekend. <laughs> I really thought me and you would be like, yeah, we were up in the middle of the night, obviously, and then I'd go to Nick, and obviously you were watching it, yeah, Nick? Oh, oh. Uh, no, yeah, I'll answer yeah, that for I you. I, I, I was going to say... Seen, I've seen the highlights. I have seen the highlights. So The I, highlights? I, Unbelievable. No. <laughs> I, I'm the only... Re- I, you two have no reasonable excuse for saying you're tired. I'm Stop the only one. trying to win tired top trumps here. But then that's what you do when you're uh, in Europe and working uh, in Australian time. That's the only... I'm allowed to do that. I get it is that. My entire Twitter feed is just memes of people saying how tired they are. Yeah. So technically, yes, you do have to win it. It, is, it yeah. is the ultimate F1 competition to say, well, I was up earlier than you. I had everything ready. I was in full merch. I had my giant printout head of the driver, which I was <laughs> in bed, ready to rock and roll to cheer on my favorite driver. So, where do I get one of those giant heads? I want one. We'll produce one for you. If, Thank you. Can you get if, a Daniel Ricardo one for me, please? Thank you. Any any other requests while we're at it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to do a bulk order because I think this is quite niche. But I, you know, I, I this is the kind of order you only want to make once in your entire life. I'd like a giant <laughs> head of this. No questions asked. Just do it. It's it's we'll, a thing. We'll, I swear. We'll, we'll get them on the WTF one shop. I'm sure. Have you ever had any weird sort of fan interactions, Callum? You know, I mean, you were you were a pretty big deal back in the racing game. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> not, not really. I mean, I, do you know what the one thing I love about motorsport is it, it's this amazing community where, you know, if, if you take other sports, there's a lot of fighting against each other. And yeah, of course there is inevitably, but motorsport's just this great community where everyone kind of just wants what's best for the sport. Um, 
I've had drivers, I've had fans of other drivers in junior categories shout at me when I've crashed into their driver. That they no. like, that was, yeah, that happens quite a lot. You'd be, you'd, you know, like a, a crash in, in Formula Regional, which is the equivalent just below F3 um, on the FI ladder. And it, you crash into someone and you're like, you're walking back through the, this paddock and you're like, you already feel quite bad because you've had a crash. And then some random guy will come up and say, you're going to pay for this. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> can I help you? He's like, he was having a great race and you ruined it. You're going to pay for this. And I was like, I think it was at, I was at Spa. I can't remember who I crashed with. But uh, yeah, we we were side by side going through the camel and uh, you try to go around the outside of me and rule number one in motorsport is, you, you know, you never let anyone go around the outside of you. You just give them a nice, gentle, uh, you just push them off the track, as Max would say. You just give them a nice <gasps> little gentle. Now, can, can we appreciate though? Like, I want to talk about this because, you know, he, he disappears off into the lead. That whole radio message at the start of the race was so soft. Oh, he pushed me on the track. No, he lunged you because you were early on the brakes. You got caught napping appreciate the move and crack on and try and get him back but that's... i just feel like every every driver does the same thing oh no he just he pushed me he, he he pushed me it's just an instant instant moment instant reaction just to kind of try and make yourself look not look like the bad guy do you know what i mean if if you get mugged and you get caught napping sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and go yeah actually i break 10 meters too early you know and that it's it's easy for me to say this sat in a hotel room because I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it, you know, I, from this side of things, I'm a passionate fan with a little bit of insight. I'd like to see them come on the radio and just go, yeah, fair play. Sorry about that, boys. I'll crack on and get them back again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit the, the like day a Verstappen does that, I will eat my hat. And <laughs> I don't day, wear a hat. The day Verstappen does that, I will take a photo of myself cuddling a giant head and I'll get myself a life-size cutout that will live in my living room. And I'm limited on space in my tiny apartment. So that's that's saying something. Deal. Okay, so we're ordering Deal. a Daniel Ricciardo one. We're ordering a Max one. Mm. Okay. And and whatever else we can come up with. Uh, okay, Yuki. that sounds like a good plan. And a Yuki. Oh, I can get a Yuki. Yuki. I was very happy he got that. Can we get very a Gunter Steiner so... one as well? Thanks. I'm sure we can get a Gunter Steiner one on, on, on order. Um, this order's getting expensive. I don't think I've got funds is, for this. I know it is, isn't it? Their bosses will sort it out. be fine. Uh, <laughs> Right, well, we've covered the giant head debate. Um, <laughs> let's do our WTF1 podium, shall we? So, uh, Callum and Nicola, I am looking uh, for three drivers from each of you, please. Uh, and we're going to start uh, with your star performer from the race. Who are you going for, Nicola? Checo. Okay. I mean... He was at the back and then you're just watching him just, I mean, I know obviously he has a mega fast car, but you're just watching. It was literally like the meme of Captain America going on your left, on your left, on your left, just going past and past and past each car and ending up P5, I think is just really impressive from him. I think, I think he's in for a really mega season. I think he had a great race. But will he actually be allowed to challenge for a championship though? I think he will. Stop causing drama. Callum knows Red Bull better than we do, and he's shaking oh, his head. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just say Red Bull. I'm going to say in general, I don't think he'll be able to be allowed. I think there's, there's all. No matter what teams say, there's always a hierarchy, and unfortunately, we we saw it last year when when Max defied team orders, and you know the team. In any other circumstance, the team would be in a position where the driver would have to apologise. And it was almost like Max had the upper hand of Red Bull there. So to say all of a sudden that he's going to be allowed, after all of that controversy, to have a fighting chance, I think I think he'll finish a comfortable second in the championship. But 
But again, to use your expression, if he if he if he's allowed to fight properly and hard, I will eat my hat, and I don't own a hat, so I'll go out and buy one and then eat it. I actually just got sent because um, I'm a hashtag influencer uh, a Red Bull Racing hat from New Era, so uh, that could be the hat. <laughs> I eat. It's a very nice hat. Thank you very much for sending it to me. Um, uh, it's, it's on my wall next to my Formula E hat. Um, okay, well, Callan, so who was your star performer then? I would, I would say. Oh, it's it's difficult. Obviously, as much as I hate to admit it, Max was was phenomenal again. Um, you know the way how he checked out two oh well two seconds and half a lap when he got past Hamilton after a, a difficult start. I'm I'm going to say Carlos Sainz just for the 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 racecraft. I think he did a great job fighting his way back through. It was unfortunate moment of the restart, but yeah, I would say that he was the one that caused the most excitement. And uh, yeah, the the switchback move into turn three was was a work mm. of art. So he can have my star performer for this weekend. Yeah, I like that. It was, it's nice to see signs on good form. I remember uh, commentating the F1 race last year at Australia, and you know he was in the gravel at the halfway through turn oh. one, and it was just a disaster start for him, wasn't it? Uh, so uh, good to see that. Okay, uh, back to you, Nick. Who was your worst for uh, performer? Right, I'm going to go K Mag. Don't hate me, but. <sighs> no. Um, I don't know if the sun was in his eyes or what on earth happened, but he shouldn't have gone into the wall. I mean, come on. He just shouldn't have gone into that wall at all. So I've been trying. So I was trying. I was trying to go through the list and thinking who was who had a bad race and, and he's just absolutely top of my list. Yeah. It's hard to argue otherwise, really, isn't it, Callum? Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it difficult to find out who had a good race. I mean, <laughs> I, I I was trying to work out on my list of like losers from the weekend and it was like, oh, you know, Alban, Russell, Alpin. It's like, yeah, where does it? And then I forgot about Magnuson's, um, well, lapsing concentration. Let, let's blame the sun because I really like K-Mag. So let's let's say the sun got in his eyes. And yeah, that 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 for me is probably worthy of um, the, the, the chocker of the weekend, for lack of a better expression, just driving into a barrier, causing a great deal of, of uh, damage, but then obviously causing the red flag, which did cause a bit of carnage. So, you know, he's he kind of contributed a little bit to the uh, the race here. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, Nicola. K-Mag is, is the unanimous shocker of the weekend. He's done that before as well. Do you remember the, the Monza race that Gasly won? It all kind of kicked off because uh, Magnussen pulled off uh, with an issue in the pit lane entry and then that closed the pit lane and then Hamilton went in, got a penalty for it and it was absolute chaos. So K-Mag's, not that he does it on purpose, obviously, but he's got history. But yeah, it's hard to disagree with you on that one. And I, I like K-Mag. And, but Hulkenberg looks like he's got the better of him a little bit, especially over one lap pace at the moment. Um, okay, Final podium placing, please. Nick, we'll come back to you. Your biggest surprise performer of the Australian Grand Prix. I mean, if you were to ask me this question within the first seven laps, then I probably would have gone for Alex Albon. But um, 50 laps later, huh. uh, <laughs> bless him. I, I'm probably, it's going to sound quite obscure, but I think I'm going to go for Lando, you know, purely because he, he did so well fighting up against Hulkenberg and he was there was just those few laps where he was just getting so close and then Hulkenberg's getting his elbows out and then getting so close and then finally that overtake I thought was just beautiful and it's so nice to see McLaren up there in the points in what clearly is a very difficult car to drive so yeah I'm gonna go with Lando on this 
Nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say both both McLarens, really. I think Piastri was, well, again, he, he massively capitalised from the carnage, but both McLarens were actually having quite a strong race in what seemed like, a, you know, quite a difficult car to drive. And, and as you said, Nicola, the move on, on Hulkenberg was great. Little switchback and then sending him off into the gravel in the netherworld was was fantastic to watch, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, I'd say my, my standout performance was was double McLaren points because if someone would have said to me in, at the start of the race that was going to happen, again, I would have probably eaten a, a very nice New Year Red Bull hat. Send us some more. Thanks. Um, <laughs> they're not any official sponsor or anything like that. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much, guys. We're 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 pretty much at the end of time. Um, I mean, so much to dissect from the Australian Grand Prix, but it was Max Verstappen who won the race and he extends his championship lead. Uh, lead. I will leave you with this: the FIA has explained why Carlos Sainz was given his five-second time penalty as well as two penalty points. Car fifty was wholly to blame for the collision. Car 14, Fernando Alonso, was significantly ahead at the first corner and nevertheless, car 55 drove into car 14. So I don't think, Callum, Ferrari could do anything to get around that. No, I think that's that's pretty much, yeah, they've they've decided to take the lap as counting. And yeah, it was, it was Carlos's fault. So um, even the best lawyers in the world probably couldn't argue that. And um yeah, hopefully it doesn't put too much of a dampener for him and he can come back stronger the next race. Let's hope so. Well, look, Callan O'Keefe, Nicola Hume, thank you so much for joining me on the WTF1 podcast. Thank you as well for listening along. Uh, we will be back, hopefully, uh, after uh, the next race, which is in Baku. We've got a little bit of a break now because China's not happening. So a few weeks and then we'll be back in Baku at one of the fastest street circuits on the calendar. And uh, usually Baku does spell carnage, but it's also spelling upgrades for a lot of teams so could we see that the field time could we see uh, the competitive order changed up we'll have to wait a few weeks before we find out and uh, make sure you like and subscribe to wtf1 across social media and if you like the podcast please do leave us a review or if you have any constructive criticism we're always is uh, and we'd love to hear it from you uh, but my thanks again to Callan and nicola i've been harry benjamin and we'll see you after baku bye-bye <laughs>